Big Ronnie, and you're listening to Without Your Head. And if you don't enjoy this, you're making a big mistake. Welcome to the Station of Decapitation Without Your Head. I'm Nasty Neal. That would make me terrible, Troy. Mm-hmm. And we're joined by a plethora of guests here, director <laughs> and writer Brian Lenano. That's right. Hello. Hello. Produce- hey, producer Jill Six Gavarziga. <laughs> I, pr- I practice this all day. Gavarziga on. Oh, my God. Very close. Hello. Very close. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I had it right in my head all day. Uh, producer, production di- designer Blake Myers. What's up, everybody? <laughs> and and writer Victoria Cook. Hey, everybody. Mm-hmm. Oh. I'm going to edit the beginning so I get Jill's names right. They're the amazing, wonderfully gross uh, BFF girls, which uh, is debuting <laughs> March 24th at uh, Boston Underground Film Festival, or Buff for the for cool kids. It's uh, good to have you guys here. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, always oh, exciting to be here. Yeah. Now, first of all, I didn't notice this till today, but if you type in BFF on uh, Facebook, you get like these these clapping uh, hands, and you get like uh, you get animation. <laughs> uh, have yeah. you guys noticed that? It's yes, cool. I have. I feel it's a great confidence booster for me every time I have to put the phone. They're clapping for you every time. Exactly. I feel so good about myself. I believe it was added specifically for for all of you. Yes, I hope so. I'll write a letter of thanks to Mark Zuckerberg. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Victoria and and Brian, 
Uh, when did you guys start writing this and where did the idea come from? Well, uh, this idea has sort of been percolating for three years, but the idea of doing something uh, like this, uh, meaning the tokusatsu genre of Japanese um, films like Ultraman or Godzilla or uh, Sailor Moon, Power Rangers, things like that, uh, that's been well-seeded many, many years before that. But the, um, the origin of BFF Girls came from Tori and me basically binge-watching Sailor Moon on Hulu, and I had never seen it before, and I just was like, yeah, I'll watch it with you to keep you company, because I know she watched it growing up, and I got kind of sucked into it, and I found it quite hilarious and absurd, um, because there were just so many different kinds of monsters that they fought based off of, like, crazy inanimate objects, and uh, we started thinking about, like, oh, what if they fought, like, like a tampon monster or something like that? So the tampon <laughs> monster was the first... To come out of that. Yeah, and then, the story. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, I guess after that, well, what? Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess, like Brian said, yeah, we were, it was heavily influenced by Sailor Moon. And um, as we watched it, you know, we would think of all these funny jokes about, like, what they could be doing. And I, I think the story kind of came from that, all the things we would want to see in a, a girl superhero movie, you know. And um, we thought it'd be especially funny if um, the girls in the movie were, you know, girls who were obsessed with anime, like yeah. real, you know, otaku kind of otaku, dark girls yeah. who, you know, it's their dream to turn into beautiful Japanese superheroes. Yeah. And so um, that was sort of like uh, something we wanted to do. And um, yeah. yeah. And so. uh, and also to go back to shows like Power Rangers, I loved the the American version because even when I was a kid, I noticed that it looked different when it changed when they changed into the Power Rangers. So <laughs> it was like the American actors, and then when they transform, it's like, well, that's clearly the Japanese show. So we wanted to do something like that, only they had no helmet or mask to hide behind. So it's just mm -hmm. like very clear, like they're transforming into these other people. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, uh, so, so yeah, that sort of like those ideas were, were coming into play and we, we had come up with all kinds of tropes and stuff that you find in, in anime, like the, the pervy wise old man. And you have like the sort of flamboyant wizard who's the villain. And, um, you know, obviously the, uh, the inanimate object cursed object that becomes a monster. So all those kinds of things were factored in. So it it was it was definitely a, a process to brainstorm and then start writing the script and the treatment and all that stuff. So it's yeah, yeah it's taken a while. So we're very <laughs> happy that it's done. <laughs> well, what did Jill and Blake? What did you guys think when you first sort of the, the idea? Uh, <laughs> I thought it was crazy and I loved it. Mm -hmm. um, if you you know if you I was already familiar with Brian's work so. You know, he's made a lot of crazy and gross things. Um, and this one actually is one that has, as silly as it may be, I think it has a lot of heart in it as well. Mm -hmm. And that's something I love about it, beyond everything about it just being just so fun and so different from anything I've ever made. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that, that's why it's fun to be involved with uh, Brian and Tori is because their films are different. And uh, this is my fourth film I made with them. And... Whenever they pitch something to me, I'm always like, 
All right. This is, this is marking <laughs> off all the right things I want. I want a lot of blood in anything I work on. Mm-hmm. And I want things like uh, Sailor Moon and um, Power Rangers and uh, Ultraman. So I, I was like, yeah, let's do this. We're done. We're ready. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> Uh, now, Jill, you said you, you knew Brian's uh, work before, but had you ever worked with him before? I had not. Um, I had shown a couple films at uh, Slaughter Movie House, a screening series I do here in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And our work had shown together at a lot of festivals, you know, over the last few years. So um, I don't I think at first I just I messaged him help. I offered to help him with something to do with SAG, I think. And then. I was like, I'd love to help with this project just all around if you need help. I was just threw myself out there. <laughs> uh, I was very thankful for that, uh, Jill, um, because, you know, I had, we first met at the Rome International Film Fest in Georgia, um, and Crohan played, uh, which is uh, two films ago, and uh, Call Girl played. And I remember seeing Call Girl, and I think I told you this in my birthday letter to you wishing a happy birthday that when I saw Call Girl I, I it felt like it was made by somebody who had made films like a lot of films before it felt like it was very like mature and and not in the content or anything like that but just like the direction was very mature uh somebody who was very like in control of the story um there was a jump cut in the film that like basically sealed the deal for me I'm like she's good like she's she's a good filmmaker and uh, we had kept in touch, as she said, on the circuit, um, because later she had the stylist, which was playing with our next short, William. And um, and yeah, like uh, she helped me out with this SAG thing. And uh, at the time, um, Tori and I uh, were producing the shorts, and she just sort of wanted to take a, a little break from it because William was so intense with all the festivals that we were going to. Um, and uh, I had just asked Jill if she would help produce it. And... Uh, I'm super thankful that she said yes because she was she was a terrific uh, contributor to yeah. the to the to the film. Yay, Jill! Yay, Jill! <laughs> Yay. And of oh. course, uh, of course, I can't I cannot uh, gloat about Jill without gloating about Blake because, uh, as Blake said, uh, we've collaborated four times, and I was just telling him before the show started that we've known each other for ten years, um, but we've been working together for the past five, I guess. Um, on on these films and he's an amazing person to collaborate with he's so on board with all these crazy ideas that we want to do and he also like Jill was able to like pool resources and get get people to help us out um, and get uh, you know equipment or, or whatever and it you know I couldn't have done this film without them for sure because it was a very ambitious project it's been the most mm-hmm. ambitious projects uh, I've made in a long time and um oops, excuse me and uh yeah i don't know i just can't say enough about how much these two mean to me um especially on on this film and of course my wife the co-writer and co-creator of the uh insane shit that we do uh, <laughs> she's still married to me as i do especially william but um, but yeah no I, I i surround myself with very inspirational very uh enthusiastic and uh really great people so yeah Uh, go on sorry well i just want to say it's always an adventure making a movie with brian and it's really fun the way on this film we did something larger and working with jill and bringing other people we didn't know before but you know you learn so much more about like being an artist being a filmmaker and making stuff when you work with new people and 
it that was a really good experience on this film. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, since it's so visual, I would assume you all kind of have to be on the same, uh, uh, you know, same uh, brain pattern to 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 be able to create what you think of and you know to match what you, what, what's in your head. Uh, yes. Um, the thing is, like, I also am very flexible, and I I trust the collaborators. So mm-hmm. you know, Blake is a terrific um, production designer. And uh, he's introduced me to Toniette, who did all the costumes. And um, yeah, killed costumes. yeah, I mean, she absolutely killed it with the costumes. And I and I trust these people, and I trust the DP Josh Skirsky, who uh, we've collaborated now on like three films together. And uh, I trust these people because I know they're good at their jobs. And you know, I give them basically parameters of what I want, and then what they do is they surpass that. Um, and I. You know, it's not that I let them do that. It's I want them to um, be creative. And, you know, if they come back and I offer feedback, I mean, that's 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 how it is, really. Same with uh, Mark Malik, who did the music, another person who Blake introduced me to. Um, just a really awesome people, really enthusiastic and uh, really inspirational to work with because they challenge me and I challenge them. It's a very symbiotic relationship that I have. With all the collaborators, so I'm not a tyrant on the set. <laughs> Brian's awesome to work with because he knows about like what we have to work with in the space of like we're an independent film. We have very little resources, but we have a lot of passion and a lot of talent that we want certain people to shine within the production. And Brian's always very helpful in working with people to make the best out of what we got. So I think we get a lot of bang for our buck, and uh, Brian's direction is a lot to do with it it's it's a good time making movies here yeah and yeah i was gonna say we definitely don't downplay how much how like well thought out brian's vision is from the start and that's why everything i think flows so well i mean he had storyboarded this film multiple times months ahead of time he has just has real care for every part of the process and you know that's that's like a infectious it's addicting <laughs> that well, passion yeah that was one of the qualities that i thought was so great about you which was made which was another factor in like saying like jill should you know she's up for it like let's let's produce this together is that because you were also organized you know we shared stories about how we make the schedules and the call sheets and the storyboards you know and stuff like that so pr- preparation for any movie is like incredibly important um it's, you know especially something of this level and that required a lot of visual effects. So yeah, she's, she's not lying when I had to like storyboard it a couple of times, because I think we had scheduled out a day that had 40 setups and I was able to cut it down to 22 um, (laughs) just because of time and scheduling and stuff like that. So, but that's the independent, you know, world. You can't, you don't have those luxuries of like, let's just keep shooting and pay this the penalty for unions and stuff, or like let's <laughs> let's shoot five days a week, like we were shooting on weekends, like everybody does, you know, when they have a passion project on the side. Yeah. So, uh, how long did it actually take to shoot? Uh, it took oh geez, well it took two weekends, um, and then there was an additional weekend in December. So it was like the last weekend of May, the first weekend of June, and then a one day in December where we shot like basically a couple of shots of a, a, a puppet that was used for the very, very end of the film. 
Uh Um, because I was on the fence (laughs) on whether or not I was going to do this little teaser that was going to happen, this post-credit scene in our BFF Girls expanded cinematic universe. (laughs) Um, um, But then we decided, yeah, let's go for it. So that's, that, that was why we did a pickup shot much, much later in December. But, but yeah, it was all basically concentrated into those four days over two weekends. It was grueling. It would have been amazing to have two more days of shooting. It would have, yeah. Um, especially that last <laughs> day. Like, the last day was like we were running and gunning pretty fast because that was that was a day where uh, we had to basically between the the week between the shoots we had to quickly figure out a second schedule, a second location because our um, our location would be rained out. We were going to be shooting outside, so the whole fight scene that was going to happen was going to be outside. And then it wasn't going to happen because it was going to rain all day. So we wound up shooting on green screen and we just sort of came up with this idea of like, let's have them go into this sort of abstract, fantastical world. And that's where the battle will be. And hopefully it'll sort of mimic the ideas behind some of those shots in Sailor Moon where somebody strikes a pose and attacks. And it's like a very like abstract background or something like that. So that's what we were kind of going for. And another uh, factor of inspiration was uh, a film by the uh, the director Nobuhiko Obayashi, who made that crazy film House, which I'm going to talk about a little later. But he did another one that didn't get a release here called School in the Crosshairs. And there's this whole like eight minute sequence that's all done on blue screens, and all the backgrounds are like slit scans and all these abstract like images. And it it just blew my mind when I saw it. And um, I uh, wanted to have something like that for our for our you know for our end battle scene. So. Mm-hmm. But that was a that was a busy day. Yeah. But <laughs> well, we had a another major challenge that day. I don't know if we're talking about, <laughs> oh, but yes. we <laughs> basically made this film happen against all odds. The final day of shooting. Yeah. Well, you can go into detail, Joe. Go ahead. <laughs> we had to, <laughs> we had to recast um, a very important big character last minute on our final day and it somehow happened yeah it turned out awesome (laughs) yeah we had cast somebody and they were all set to go they had gone to the table read so it was good and then um you know we're, we're on the location on the last day in the green screen studio and um this person was a no show and nobody knew where they were. So, you know, we reached out and did the best we could to sort of make sure this person was okay. But while that was happening, we were also trying to get in touch with somebody who uh, could do it last minute. And this person, um, I'll name her because she's, she's terrific. Yes, uh, yes. Her name's uh, Carolyn, Carolyn Utley. Um, she is Great definitely one of, the, one of the saviors of, of BFF Girls for sure because um, – she came last minute and uh, did the. Sh- we we got all of her shots done in like four hours because I swear she had like another gig that she had to go to at two o'clock. <laughs> she had like a hard out to do some she other gig, and we got her shots done. And she uh, nailed it. Thankfully, the costume fit, so there was never there wasn't a worry about adjustments or anything like that. And uh, you know, I got to do a little bit of directing with her because obviously there wasn't enough time to like go into the, the character and all that stuff. But. Um, <laughs> But uh, laser hair removal. Yes. Yeah. She yeah. <laughs> laser hair removal uh, move. 
Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, she, she was terrific. A great, uh, last minute addition to the film, which is funny because months before she had written to me saying like, Oh, do you, do you have this part filled? And I said, Oh yeah, I'm sorry. You know, that's, we're all casted. And then sure enough, like, thankfully she was available that day. So it was great. Very thankful to Carol Ann. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I guess the, uh, <clears throat> something that doesn't go right makes, uh, makes for a better film in a way, like you said. Uh, maybe it came out better having the green screen than if you would have done it outside. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, sometimes uh, when something like happens, you know, like an obstacle happens and it just, there's nothing you can do about it, it's like it's like a sign, basically. Like, you know, let's go with this route. And uh, sure enough, like, it was the better route because I think the the big fight scene at the end is way more fantastical than what it would have been if we had shot... Um, just outside. Yeah. Now, by the way, I want to thank Keys Williams here. Cause, uh, he's, uh, he's like doing play by play of the interview for people who, uh, who can't tune in, I guess. But he also has a question for, for all who made you choose the actors and actresses that you did. Um, so, okay. Let's talk about the dorky. Wait, hold up. Uh, Keys is, is a she just, Oh, say. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's all good. <laughs> oh, she's Gosh. a big cheerleader for us. Uh, she's awesome. Yeah, she's super awesome. Um, okay, back to the casting. So let's talk about the American girls first. So we had Allison Mayer, Jessica Ship, and Sydney Thomas. Um, so Allison is uh, an actor, and she's been in a lot of uh, features. Like she was in Space Babes from Outer Space, and uh, I think she had a bit part in Frankenstein Created Bikers. And uh, a, a few other films, but I've uh, sort of never had an opportunity to work with her yet. And she had helped with the proof of concept test footage that we shot for BFF Girls in t- 2016. So we had shot test footage June of 2016, which was exactly a year before we actually shot the film. So, like I said, this thing has been in the works forever. Um, so uh, she was on board since then. And uh, she was she was great. I think I think she was a terrific uh, actor. She took direction so well, and uh, that's our cat chiming in, um, <laughs> just agreeing that Allison was great. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, so uh, she was she was she was awesome. Uh, very enthusiastic. She knew the source material, so it was very easy to tell her like the kind of mood I was going for. Uh, Jessica Ship is. Um, uh, she works with uh, William Mahaffey at the Knoxville Horror Film Fest, and she she likes to act too. And she's also very inspired by anime and things like that. So she got the source material as well, as well as uh, Sydney, who I am actually a coworker with. Like we work at the same job together, but she's a very charismatic uh, actress, and she had a bit part in William. And uh, when I told her about this uh, idea, like many moons ago she was like i want to be in this movie so i don't i never turned down somebody who wants to be in my movie mm-hmm. um except that one time with carol ann but then it worked out uh, <laughs> but um but yeah so they were all uh, real treats and uh you know each of them have their unique personalities that they brought to the performances like jessica's portrayal of lily is really great you know uh, mm-hmm. i love watching her listen to the other actors as they read their lines because she's sort of like her eyes are all over the place and it's like a lot of fun uh to watch and then the uh superhero versions we had talked about carol ann um and so i'll mention uh, marilyn chung who uh 
was again on board like back in 2016 with the proof of concept tests. So she was the counterpart to Allison in the in the test footage that we did. And uh, I got in touch with Jessica Nam through uh, Taniette, our costume designer. And uh, Jessica Nam is uh, part of SAG, as is Carol Ann, and she does stunt work. So she was like on some some bigger movies shooting in Georgia. And uh, she's also obviously familiar with the source material and uh, was was very excited about it. Um, she was very professional. Uh, they all took direction uh, incredibly well. Um, and uh, they were so easy to work with. You know, like nobody was like a problem um, to work with. Uh, and Lawrence, uh, Lawrence Sickman, who was Fabulous of Doom. Mm-hmm. I, oh, I, yes. we, I'm sorry, we really need to talk about casting Fabulous of Doom. <laughs> yes, uh, I am so I'm so proud of Lawrence because um, I had met him again. Uh, Tony Ed had put me in touch with him and uh, I met him at a coffee shop and um, he had told me, you know, this I am not really I don't really do these kinds of movies. I'm kind of like not sure <laughs> you know, and, uh, <laughs> the things he's been cast in is like, you know, this type of scientist or this type of like. Um, businessman, so he was sort of typecast in, in roles, you know, I guess that, unfortunately, uh, Asian men and women kind of get typecast as, uh, nobody ever sees them as sort of like leading um, male, or, you know, leading roles, but um, so to watch him cut loose and become Fabuloso Doom was so much fun to see. I mean, my face, I had a stupid grin the whole time we were shooting because like, I just loved the enthusiasm that all the actors brought. And I feel like Lawrence just like blew everybody away, especially in the park scene where, he, uh. yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. I got done reading the script and I was uh, looking at Brian. I was like, how are we going to find someone to play the role of Fabuloso Doom? I mean, they, can't get paid because we don't have enough money and they'll have to do this for free and want to do this. And we have to find someone who can actually <laughs> act. And so when he came to us with Lawrence, I was like, we don't want to do like a read. And Brian just has this intuition where he doesn't even need a read. He's like, this guy's going to work. And man, yeah. Lawrence killed him. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, best wait, I gotta, I gotta say like the first time we saw him in a full costume, because <laughs> like he looks very normal in real life. So uh-huh. I was like, I think I got like tears in my eyes. It was like so awesome. <laughs> and, and when when uh, Toniette was doing the uh, costume test, you know, she took pictures, and I could see his demeanor change in the pictures. You know, mm-hmm. he had this swagger. Then when he had the cape and the breastplate <laughs> on and stuff like that, you see him change. And it, it was it's so the hair exactly. It's the hair and the cape and the the, the little claw finger thing that he has. I mean. It, it's awesome. Like it's so, and it's fun watching somebody like be able to like lose themselves um, in the role. I'm so proud of him, and I'm so proud of like all the all the actors that we had in, in on the on the project. You know, uh, I hope Lawrence gets more roles. Honestly, like I want people oh, yeah, to see yeah. like this guy needs to be in more films. You know, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was amazing. And kind of going back to what you said before about, um, I believe Jill said that the 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 film has heart to it. Like, uh, his scenes, a lot of scenes could just be, like, gross-out stuff. But since you could tell he's having so much fun and everyone's, like, so over-the-top and stuff, it's charming at the same time. So it's not just, like, a gross-out thing. 
it's 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 a lot of fun to watch. Oh, thank you for saying that. Uh, that was definitely like an intention. You know, I had seen a lot of sort of uh, television shows that parody um, these types of genres. Um, one I kept thinking of was uh, this one on. Um, it was called Titan Maximum. It was sort of like a Voltron parody, but all the team members seemed so like antagonistic towards each other and there was no like sense of teamwork or it was like a begrudging teamwork so like i wanted to make sure like the girls were friends you know that never changed they never like got mad at each other they were just they were good friends and i felt like they all had good chemistry on screen together and you know the addressing of of what the basically the, the film is about which is one of the girls gets their period for the first time mm-hmm. um and uh you know they all sort of like are like no it's it's fine it's normal you know it's nothing to be ashamed of or grossed out by and you know uh i think it's weird uh in a way that like that's still sort of taboo in in movies um but i'm so used to it now i mean when you're married you're used to those kinds of things so <laughs> Um, sorry, Hen. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, um, you just get accustomed to, to things like that and they're not unusual anymore. So it's funny when you, you know, you, you hear like people get repulsed by William, you know, for being totally gross in a very different way versus mm-hmm. something like this, which is like more natural, even though I go like, I push it way far, you know, <laughs> way far, but, uh, but yeah, it, it was all never meant to be like uh, mean or or making fun or anything like that. It was it was very sincere we, when we wrote it. You know, that was our intention. Um, yeah. That being said, we do have like gross characters in it and, and this kind of characters, but those people <laughs> seem to get their comeuppance. You know, like Neko Sensei, Neko Sensei, the uh, the the trope of the perverted wise old man, Master Roshi, or something like that. And we just wanted to <laughs> the most extreme thing that he could say um, to show, like, it's very, it's not appropriate to talk like that to, to girls, you know. And uh-huh. so every time he does, like, he gets his, he gets, you know, his come up and he gets squirt, squirt with water. And because he's so tiny, it's easy for them to just, like, <laughs> throw a pillow at him if they shut up or whatever. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a perfect casting with Lawrence Harvey for, for, for the voice. <laughs> That's all thanks yeah. to Jill. Jill, uh, Jill set us up, and again, Lawrence is also a fan of Japanese stuff, so it yes, all it all worked out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here, um, wait. We need to discuss how much they made the actual cat look like Lawrence's face. <laughs> it does. Right? It does a lot. Oh yeah, was that's that, what I was, was thinking that, too. Was that Lucas or you, yeah. Blake? That Lucas, Lucas that did that. Lucas Godfrey um, had sculpted the uh, Nico Sensei face. And we got a cat off of Amazon, and he just ripped the parts out that didn't need to be there anymore, sculpted a face that looked a little bit like <laughs> Harvey, and made that disgusting cat. <laughs> the, yeah. the, you know, the very last part of the movie, the last shot with uh, Nico Sensei, that's the only part where I'm like, I think we went too far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's funny, like, that was always in the scripts, was the cat licking itself at the end like oh, you yeah. know, Tori had said like we should end it with the cat like licking itself like that's <laughs> a shot Tori <laughs> spoiler alert sorry <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> but yeah he's fantastic and if Lawrence is listening I uh, hope he's doing he's doing well I know he was in the hospital for a little while yeah I heard I hope you get better Lawrence yeah so uh, Lawrence was up was on board I assume once he uh, heard about it 
Yeah. Oh, I uh, knew I knew he would love this whole <laughs> thing. Like I was like, this is right. This is meant to be Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> it was the role he was, he was born to play. That's right. Yeah. It was very exciting to reach out to more known, um, perf- you know, actors uh, to help out with some of these smaller roles. Um, in addition to Lawrence Harvey, we also got uh, Dana Snyder from Aqua Teen, Hunger Force fame, and he plays the he does the voice of the Magic Mirror um, that that counsels Fabuloso Doom, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he he was great too. Uh, and I have I haven't met. Um, actually, no, I did meet Dan. I'm sorry. My friend Jim uh, DeSantis actually uh, introduced uh, Dana to me and my wife, and we all had dinner together. And uh, Dana was really nice. We drove him back to his uh, hotel that he was staying at because he was visiting Atlanta for he shoots uh, your pretty face is going to hell here. And yeah, we had dinner with him, and uh, he was super nice. And later on, I just sort of reached out to him asking if he would do this, and he said, yeah. So I just had to fill out some SAG paperwork to you know, have him on board and make sure that the project was SAG uh, eligible, um, which it is. Thanks to Jill helping us out with that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that just sort of opened up the opportunity to get to get a few more uh, people in those smaller roles like Lawrence and like uh, the last minute edition of Michael St. Michael's. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, uh, he's fantastic, too. And I, I didn't even tell that was his voice when I was when I was watching it. He was he was so much fun. I got to talk to him on the phone. So I haven't met him, um, but I sorely want to because the Greasy Strangler is definitely one of the greatest pictures uh, history of motion pictures. I, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, it's a such a special <laughs> movie, and uh, I was pretty thrilled that um, he friended me on Facebook like last year or something, and like uh-huh. so we sort of messaged each other back and forth, and you know I asked him like. I think when I messaged him, I asked him if he would donate to the campaign, but he said, I'm, uh, you know, I can't, but I'd be happy to do a voice for you. And I was like, mm-hmm. and I wrote to Jill, I was like, we could get the guy, we could get the guy. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. what are we going to have him do? <laughs> yeah, so I basically made up that role. Yeah, make something up. <laughs> so we were like, yeah, let's just have him be the narrator because he has such a great commanding voice. Oh, definitely. Um, and, uh, and he was very enthusiastic. It was very yes, much like, exactly. um, you know, on the next episode of Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> exactly. So. He knew exactly what we were going for. He, you know, and, uh, and, and I love listening to the outtakes. Like what the, what's in the film is great, but listening to Lawrence's outtakes and listening to <laughs> his outtakes and listening to um, Michael's uh, outtakes. I mean, they're all terrific little treasures that I get to keep now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Especially Lawrence's. Every time you made those meow sounds, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Yeah, uh, it was fun. Yeah, uh, Blake for for production design. What what were some of the hardest uh, things to create to make it look like an anime world? I guess you know putting together the girls' bedroom was there was a lot of components to collect, and um, Allison who played Rose, she brought in a ton of stuff. Um, Tone Yet, who did the costumes. We brought in the costume in the background that was the costume we used in the test as somebody is more of an anime cosplay kind of feel. Um, and then we also got in touch with some local comic book publishers here from Mini Comics and then also uh, Galactic Quest, Kyle Puttkammer's uh, Hero Cats. 
we put all this stuff all over the background. So, you know, that, that was really kind of a challenge to get that much stuff all to that room and deck that all out. And it was, it was, that was kind of a challenge. Um, uh, it was really- Oh. Amazing though, Blake. Like, because Blake had brought up like from the very beginning, you know, because in the script it says like their their room is filled with like anime trinkets and posters and stuff like that. So right away he's like, we can't show any actual anime stuff. So yeah, he went like above and beyond to find all these different pieces of art to just basically throw up onto the walls, and uh, it looks awesome. Like the room, and that's like the first wide shot is that huge, like wide angle, low, low angle shot of the room where you see all of those posters. And, uh, yeah, it's very overwhelming. <laughs> and you know, a, just wanted a ton of color. Yeah, exactly. That was the other thing was like, we wanted this movie to be so colorful. The whole park mm-hmm. scene is actually shot in Blake's backyard. Uh, <laughs> it's literally a movie shot in a backyard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he has bamboo. And um, <laughs> he has bamboo. That's, I love that line. I guess you know a lot of work went in building the tampon cart as well. Uh-huh. <laughs> the tampon cart. Because I already had that cart built for another purpose, and so then I painted it white. Um, my wife Alyssa came out and she helped me. She blocked out all the letters, and then I went through and painted all the letters. Ordered some wheels, repainted those from Amazon, and. The umbrella was awesome. It was the perfect color, shape, and size. Um, and now I still have the tampon cart, and I use it as my tool cart. All right. And times, and I'm chopping wood, and there's a saw on it. Tampons for sale. <laughs> Great piece. You got to keep hanging on to that one. When, when, you, uh, when you work on the movie for so long, you forget that something like a tampon card is completely absurd. So like, exactly. when you start showing it to people, they're like, that tampon card's crazy. And I was like, <laughs> you just used to it yeah, for so long. Yeah. yeah, you kind of forget where the crazy starts and stops when you work on it for so long. Very much so. <laughs> um, I don't want to give away too much, but there are some special effects uh hurdles that had to be jumped over. I don't want to like give away an ending, but there are some special apparatuses that people had to wear to make sure blood squirted out everywhere. It should. <laughs> that, was- <laughs> that was so much. That was, that was fun for me to watch. I'm sure it was, but it was, it was great. I mean, it looked, it looked great. And uh, the finished shot is terrific. It's a, it's a work of art. Mm-hmm. If I may say so. and that's the, all the all the visual effects and compositing were done by my uh good friend jeff jenkins whom i've known for a long time now and we went to college together and basically we just continued to make films together even after we graduated so he's one of my longest uh longest collaborators um mm-hmm. standing collaborators and um you know just going back to how many people like come and help and make these films like so great you know i can't i can't say it's like all because of me you know it's like so many uh, you know talented people like matt munson who who helped josh with the lighting and stuff like that and josh who you know you know helped me create the the look of the film and the film you know what filters to use on the camera um uh inez chimbor who edited the film uh she was a great collaborator eric netherton who did the sound mixing uh, there was one person I forgot to mention. I'm super sorry about the cast. Um, and it was a last minute addition. Thanks to Blake, which is uh, Leia, Leia Enslin, who played Auntie Flo. She was terrific. Uh, <laughs> we got her for a day and she just knew. 
I told her like, you're the Terminator. That's your motivation. You know, just like, cause uh, what I tried to explain was like, you know, Auntie Flo is like a personification of like nature and how cruel it can be. So I just said like, you're indifferent and you're, you're always like, you're, you're uh, like unstoppable. So, mm-hmm. so that, that was the motivator. You're the mm-hmm. Terminator. Le- Leia, Leia went through, I think, was it like four or five hours of makeup to make sure? Because Tony yeah. designed that costume, and then Lucas Godfrey would put her in the makeup chair for like three or four hours to get every little line painted into the whole thing. And it was an intense little get up to get into. And yeah. we had to keep her like all secured and nice between the takes to make sure it all stayed on. It was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Jill has a Go on, sorry. I was going to say, we, we had people also on, like, on fan duty to, like, immediately put fans on our actors wearing all this makeup and heavy costume when they were, you know, anytime we said cut. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, we, it was pretty hot those days. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and under all that and the lights. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jill, and Jill had a cameo in the movie. She, <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> She was what victim number one? <laughs> yes. What is my official title? Um, what's funny is I knew there was going to be some blood involved, but I thought it was just going to be a little, a little drip or something. I was, <laughs> so I wasn't exactly prepared for that, but I was stoked still. Yeah, we pulled out the hose and we're like, okay, can we slide this down the back of your pants? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know what we want to say, but I I get bloody and and fall yeah, for that's me. Probably, that's <laughs> the first really like gross part that happens in the movie. Actually, after I think about it, I'm pretty sure that's the first like really gross thing to happen is like the shot featuring you, and then it just gets worse from there. <laughs> can, I ask, can I ask Brian an artistic question about the movie? Oh, sure. <laughs> so what and like that whole scene? She's wearing an American flag, and then she's bleeding. It's like, what's that all about? <laughs> oh, um, the American flag was totally intentional, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's a symbol. Uh, really, it's a political I, statement. Actually, yeah. I wish I was more brilliant than that. Um, no, I think it was just like Jill had a couple of shirts, and she's like, "This one or this one?" And I think like that one. <laughs> I think as um. You were wearing black shorts, and we needed to to wear like a lighter shirt. Uh, like I think, feel like just in case, like blood gone out, got on it. Because if it did, it would like register more. So I think that was the really the reason. Sorry, I'm very sorry. I am not an artist. Well, no, I know you like to layer. If you like to layer things in the t-shirts of your movies, because you have the reoccurring taco theme. Well, yes, of course, there is the reoccurring taco shirt, uh, which showed up in Crow Hand. Uh, the bad, the the guy, the lead guy in Crohan is wearing a shirt that says taco, and uh, we decided let's bring that taco shirt back, but let's have a let's have a, 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 a girlier, cute. a cute version of it. Yeah. So that's what that's what Sydney wears in uh, the park scene. So she wears a happy taco shirt, and that was designed by Toniette's husband, Jeremy. Oh yeah, Jeremy's he's awesome. Frank, I believe. So a little shout out for Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Everybody helped on every little part, every little bit of the movie was helped by somebody. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Tori also contributed uh, some visual effects animation. Uh, she, uh, the ghost was done by uh, 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 an animator named uh, Kay Kuypers, uh, who did a really good job. He's the one that made the, the ghost um, 
scene happen. And I believe he did some flower animations that are sprinkled throughout the credit scenes. And mm-hmm. Tori was able to do some additional like uh, visual effects animation work that was uh, that was done on the film, just to accentuate like snap zooms and things like that. So. Yeah, the, uh, that Lawrence. That Dennis, <laughs> sensei. The second one was me. He's looking at himself right now. <laughs> Lawrence or the cat? <laughs> Both. <laughs> Lawrence is gonna be mad at us. Just <laughs> probably. Sorry, Lawrence. I feel so, like we should. Um, I feel like you guys should brag about. They did some really cool stuff. Like a lot of stuff that I think people, when they watch it, might assume was all done like with animation or digitally was actually like shot, you know, on camera, like the big grid of lights that Jeff uh, built that they shot and just like flew the camera through that, you know, anyone might assume is just animated, but these guys like shot like so much of this stuff for real. Like remember we shot just fog rolling across the ground, you know, the ground for like 20 minutes. Like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, the, the first day of shooting after we had shot the scene with Fabuloso in the mirror, we shot basically a bunch of visual effects elements. Um, and uh, we shot uh, some cloud tank effects, you know, where you just fill up a, a giant fish tank full of water and um, we put rubbing alcohol in it. So that way, like the, the condensed milk that we shoot in the tank would sort of rest at the top. But we also use like different colored dyes um, and we're able to use those for some of the backgrounds. Also a lot of fog um, that was rolling across the, the ground. The castle that Fabuloso lives is, lives in is a miniature. So there was all kinds of different elements that, that were shot and composited in later. And uh, Jill had mentioned the, the stars. There's lots of like uh, glimmering stars in space and uh, also in the, the background of the, the fight scene. And those were all actual lights. And we just put a, a star filter on the camera and we're able to just sort of like film those elements to composite in um, later. So, yeah, I love using I love incorporating those kinds of things. And I try I try to give that stuff to Jeff who can then composite it in. Um, he's a terrific visual effects artist yeah where where does that come from did you like where do you know how to do something like that um so i'm a huge fan of a lot of the films from the 80s that industrial light and magic had worked on where before it was all done on computers they would you know do things like the cloud tank stuff that you would see in a movie like poltergeist or the dark crystal or close encounters of the third kind so i was looking up how things like that are done a long time ago, I learned how they made the ghosts fly around at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, where they basically made a ghost puppet and just swam it around a fish tank. So I have a couple of short, really short uh, bumpers for film festivals that incorporate that visual effect. Um, I love I love those kinds of visual effects and try to incorporate them. Uh, it has such a great um, homemade sort of aesthetic, and um, it's not as... It's it's not as like polished or or refined. Uh, I, there's a lot of uh, films out there and shorts and stuff like that that have very like refined um, visual effects. It almost looks like uh, like District Nine or Elysium or something or Chap. So basically Neil Blomkamp stuff. <laughs> Everybody tries to look like Neil Blomkamp stuff nowadays, and I'm I'm sort of like going more like I want it to look more like you know have a more uh, put together kind of aesthetic. Um, when I was a kid, I wasn't as into the visual effects or special effects in um, 
Godzilla movies as I am now, um, I really love the way those things look, the way they do with optical printing and stuff like that. Uh, it's all super fascinating. And that's how they were able to achieve a lot of uh, effects in that um, in the movie House and School of the Crosshairs. So there's tons more I wish I knew how to do, but uh, I still have a lot more to learn. <laughs> you know, I, I wanted to throw in that the motto, basically, I, I always go with filmmaking is it doesn't have to look real. It just has to look awesome. And yes. That's what we go with when we're making a movie with Brian because he always wants to try this new idea. He's like, hey, we'll get a fish tank and we'll fill it with fog and we'll shoot this. I'm like, well, I never thought of it like that. That's a good way to translate an idea cinematically. And we try to do as much as we can in the physical world and then give it to Jeff. And Jeff knows how to take it to the extra level to digitally put an more to it because Jeff always takes what we do and takes it to the next level. It's amazing. The movie's got a really good fusion of what Blake and Lucas have done with like puppets and and fake blood and and practical effects like that. Um, and then Jeff is also able to like take real world things that we had shot and then composite them and create this like new setting and stuff like that. Like, uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. Like, very very talented people. Yeah. So, how long did it take to edit then? To you know, once you have everything filmed. Um. So. I think we got started on editing a month after we shot and I think we were cutting. Oof. I think I was cutting with Inez all the way till maybe September. And then she had to sort of like take off and, and work on a, a professional gig. So I took over from there. Um, so, but she cut most, she cut most of the film and I helped with the fight scene. Um, and then I had to make trims here and there and stuff like that. So um I'd say that the picture was locked probably around the fall of last year. And then that's when I started sending, um, you know, uh, time codes to Jeff to start working on visual effects shots and give them back to me so I can start putting in the VFX shots. And then I pass it along to Andrea, who was our final colorist, who made the film look uh, even greater um, by doing the color correction and also applying uh, a film grain because uh, we wanted to give it sort of an older look. Um, I didn't like it. I didn't want it to be su too super crisp and clean like uh, a lot of digital shows are shot now. Um, so I wanted to have sort of that, uh, that fuzziness uh, that film grain can provide. And actually, I'm contemplating uh, dumping the film down to VHS and recapturing it and have a VHS leg cut available at some point. Very cool. So Hell uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you should. Oh, absolutely. That'll finally, that'll come first full circle to this time. I went to a Star Trek convention and I passed, you know, one of those surly guys with the videos, all the like videos <laughs> and stuff like that. And I'm like looking at something. I'm like, what the heck is this? <clears throat> Not to be uh, uh, power Rangers, but in Japan, uh, super sentai. So I saw like, Oh, there's the power Rangers stuff. But then there was all this other stuff that I'd never seen before. Cause it was from Japan. Um, so I sort of like had that image in my mind for so long of like, you know, BFF girls possibly being some like newly discovered show or something like that, you know, that was made way back when or whatever. So I like the idea of like having a bootleg tape of it. Yeah. <laughs> I like that as well. So what, uh <laughs> Now, I know it's debuting at uh, Boston Underground Film Festival, but have you guys watched it with uh, with an audience yet? No, not yet, unfortunately. Um, I wish I can go to the Boston Underground Film Festival because I have 
before and they always put on a great show and I always feel so flattered when they accept uh, our films and uh, they play with such great like features and shorts. It's, it's awesome. It's like one of, one of the best festivals out there. Um, and uh, I've actually played there almost every year since 2009. Mm-hmm. I've had a film in the festival every year except last year because we were busy working on this film. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome. I wish I could be there. Um, but uh, the, we're going to see it on the big screen at the Chattanooga Film Festival. That's going to be our, our big, uh, you know, cast and crew uh, uh, road trip to Chattanooga and, and check it out. Um, and I'm hoping to have a cast and crew screening in Atlanta at some point, you know, just to show everybody who can't make it to Chattanooga or something like that. So we're hoping to do that soon. But I have sent it out to various uh, filmmakers that I um, and, and film uh, folks that I, I trust and uh, I respect. So. And I've been getting good good feedback. Usually, when people say my films are fun, I, I I'm like, oh, but like this one is fun, so I'm like fine with that. I'm like, this yes, that is that's what it's supposed to be. It's fun, so I'll uh, take. Um, you know, I showed it to someone, and they said it was the best film they saw all day. <laughs> <laughs> all day, all day. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's review. There's uh, a lot of like feedback from from filmmakers that I've known over the years and they've said like, you know, it's definitely the most ambitious that you've done. And it, it, they were surprised at the quality of like how, like how good it looks and stuff like that. And then I just also love uh, a friend of mine, um, Tim Ryan uh, had great feedback. He, he's, he said that um, it's really absurd and surreal, but the story is very easy to follow. So that was like, I was very happy to hear that because um, you know, the story is very simple, but there's also these, all these crazy things. I mean, he actually said like, take your, get your stupid tampon cart and get out of here is like one of the craziest lines he's ever heard. <laughs> so, I was pretty happy to, to hear that. And Tim's a writer. So that means a lot. Cause I don't fancy myself as a, as a good writer. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, but I want to see it with, with a, with an audience because I feel like that's where we're going to, you know, feel that energy. So Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> well, what do what do you do with the with the shorts uh, once they once they have their uh, their run at the festivals? So, uh, depending on the the short, um, so William, I actually put on Vimeo on demand, so it can be sold. You know, I could sell it uh, for like five bucks to buy or two bucks to rent. Um, so you so somebody can like download it and and have it forever, treasure it. And all that stuff. Uh, Crowhands uh, is a Vimeo staff pick on on uh, Vimeo, obviously, but uh, it also was featured on Crypt TV, and I think it accumulated over a million hits. And Eli Roth gave it a, a, a little shout out and stuff. And uh, so they usually go up online. This one I want to do something a little more with. You know, I, I feel like it has potential for for more uh expansion um new episodes or new adventures uh the way we end it is sort of a a teaser that we you know thought of but we don't necessarily have like a story ready we have like the basics of what it is but you know we want to sort of hint that you know there could be more adventures that these girls go on and they could potentially incorporate a monster that is somehow associated with the current dilemma that they're that they're in so obviously 
uh, Rose gets her period for the first time, so she battles Auntie Flo um, as a tampon monster. And then the next one is sort of like, it deals with one of the other characters having uh, an issue, and then there's, uh, you know, uh, a monster that is associated with that kind of problem. So, we'll no see. Way. Yeah, I would I would love to see more of them. And I know it even says episode one when it uh when it comes yeah. on. Yes. Uh and, and we went about that as if um you know, it could be one of it could be like interpreted as a, a couple different things. It could be sure. like um like yes, this is a potential pilot to be a show. Or it is a short film that is basically, you know, mirroring like a one-off episode, like plucked in the middle of a season or something like that. Because that was the beauty of a, a lot of the Sailor Moon episodes was that they're all standalone. You know, there wasn't a common sort of like arc unless it gets towards the end where they actually battle the final foe at the end of it. But uh, there's tons of like one-off episodes, a lot like Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Um, where there's like uh, this this kind of adventure, this kind of adventure. So, um, yeah. sort of model it after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, will we see any uh, any like shirts or anything for other BFF girls? Uh, we've got posters, and I think uh, we're going to get some stickers. And we did get some shirts. Um, we have to give our shirts to the donors mm-hmm. uh, who, who gave uh, to us last year for our Indiegogo campaign, and we might have a few left to give out to. Uh, some of the cast and, and crew and, and, and if anybody wants uh, an Auntie Flo shirt like <laughs> it uh, yeah, uh, Jeff did this terrific drawing of Auntie Flo and it has a very like comic book quality to it and uh, we, we we're getting that ordered and it, it's, it looks really nice yeah I'd say the poster it's amazing uh, it's great for uh, and just all the artwork for, for the, yeah, uh, love that, the graphics and stuff yeah thank you thank you that was also done by Jeff who are, was our visual effects guy Mm-hmm. Uh, Jill, how, um, what did you think when you saw the finished movie? Were you uh, did you see it as it progressed, like the different effects and everything? Yeah, um, honestly, every step of the way, I was kind of blown away. I um, I haven't really worked on stuff with you know like heavy visual effects, like really any, many, barely any visual effects. So, so we shot such a great deal of it, you know, on a green screen. So much of it's in our imagination to see. To see this thing come to life was really like a m- magical from my per- perspective. <laughs> Every time I was just like blown away, moved to tears half the time. I think it's freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. I do too. I, I loved watching it. It's a, you like I said, it's very colorful uh, and uh, it's just it's very fun and it's gross and it's kind of like I said, it's everything I enjoy watching. So uh, well, I think yeah. people definitely dig it. I hope so. I, that's definitely was our intention. You know, we're not sadists. We're not going to put people through <laughs> hell to, uh-huh. to make people. Yeah, want people to enjoy it. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> there are some films out there that are sadistic to the audience, um, but this is not one. Of but those. this is not one of those films. Yes, right, true. Now, Troy's yeah. more of an anime fan than I am. So, uh, Troy, what did you think of it? Yeah, that I, I um, I definitely got the vibe from it. Like it, it felt like I was. You know, watching the old uh, um, Force Five or Transor Z or something like that, you know, That's and awesome. that was that was mad cool. Cool. All right. Well, yeah, that, that's an important thing too. Is like obviously, like we're paying homage to certain tropes in anime, so it. it oh yeah, yeah. Makes you feel good when when people who are like really into those uh, shows like pick up on what we were trying to do. 
So. Oh yeah, and that whole Dragon Ball Z with uh, you know Master Roshi kind of thing going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We just pushed it way too to the inappropriate. Zone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't say too far, just far enough. I think. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, but I, I that... really enjoyed it. I, I liked it a ton. Yeah, I think that's yeah. I think that's good though, because Troy's you know into that kind of stuff, and I'm I don't really know too much about it. And we both enjoyed it, so I think that's a good sign. Yeah, awesome. it definitely is. I'm not I'm not like a hardcore anime person either, believe it or not, but we had delved so into Sailor Moon and we had also seen shows like Attack on Titan and Fooly Cooly. So my wife knows more about anime uh, than I do, but I love uh, a lot of the Japanese films from the 60s and 70s. Um, they have such a terrific like aesthetic. Like I love when a movie doesn't look real, like mm. uh, where it definitely has that sort of theatrical quality. It's exaggerated. Um, it, it is, it feels fake, but that's what I love about those kinds of films. So anything that's very visual and, um, abstract, I, I just saw one, uh, called Tokyo Drifter and I just love how abstract it gets towards the end. And, um, you know, it, that's the kind of stuff that like sets my brain on fire. Uh, I love those kinds of exaggerated special effects or, uh, titles or anything like that to just bump up, like the look of your film. Uh, so the look coupled with like the content, the stories we tell, you know, we try to set ourselves apart a little bit from some of the other things that are out there. Uh, so that way they're a little more memorable. So when somebody says like tampon cart, that's something you don't see every day. You know, that's, <laughs> that's a, that's a merit badge for me. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Russian new. <laughs> exactly. Fabulous. <Yeah. laughs> so I assume all of you would be up to, to working together again. I oh, no, never, I'm never making movies with these assholes again. <laughs> <laughs> you have no choice. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would love to. Yeah, yeah in a heartbeat. Um, you know, I I only want to make films with uh, people like Blake and Jill and Tori. Uh, uh, one thing to to gloat about Jill is like, though she is all, she's a director also, but she. Mm-hmm when she was on this, she was like a producer. Like, cause sometimes like when you have a director oh, yeah. producing, uh, a other director's film, they sometimes want to be like, well, I would do it this way or whatever. And she did not do that. Um, and <laughs> thank you so much for that, Jill. Like that meant you, like you, you trusted me and, um, you, uh, you know, felt comfortable and I felt comfortable. Like you made me feel like good about what I was doing. And, of course, you know, these guys and, and gals are my sounding board. So because one thing I'm never I'm never like 100 percent like, is this the way to go? I always want to hear feedback. I always want to be told, like, this might be done better if we do this. Um, so that's why I'm always I always go to them, you know, for feedback. Like, is this the right way to go? Should we do it like this? Do it like that? And, uh, you know, they were always really helpful with uh, feedback. And uh, it, it's it's trust is such an important thing on uh, on a on a film a small independent film you know trusting your collaborators and trusting the director and trusting the producer you know like i trust these guys uh completely so mm-hmm. of course i'll work with them all again yeah and, you know it was so bizarre at some points this movie was so easy to make at points because i was like wow everything's going so easily uh, Jill's got everything so organized and Brian's got all the storyboards. We know the only thing I got to do is worry about keeping up with Jill and Brian and everything's going to be awesome. 
And so, I mean, so many people came together and helped out in so many variety of, of, of positions. The movie was simple to make. It was a good time. Nothing but fun. Mm-hmm. I'm glad. I'm glad you say that because it was like <laughs> it was stressful for me. Um, but, but the, it, it was a it was a good kind of stress, but it also was like a oh my god, like what am I doing kind of stress because I have those moments. <laughs> oh my god. There is definitely like a couple of moments in 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 things I direct that I'm like, what am I doing? Like this is insane. Like this is so ridiculous. And I believe it is one of the it was one of the wide shots where Lawrence is screaming up at the sky. And I'm just like looking at this awkward wide shot because it, there's a lot of headroom because there's going to be a, a ghost there. And uh, I'm just looking at it. I'm like, what am I? This is the ridiculous, most ridiculous thing I've ever done. What am I doing? You know, so there's a couple of those moments, but those get shaken off really fast. And then, of course, um, green screen is 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 really kind of a, a scary uh, thing to, sh- to be shooting with, especially with the fight scene, because, you know, when you're editing it before the VFX come in, you have your imagination, but you're basically looking at a blank canvas, you know, with your subject on it. And you're like, I don't know what this is going to look like. Is this going to work? But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, that was scary. Yeah. That, was, that was scary. Yeah. But, you know, again, I trust Jeff so much and he's so talented that I knew like once I saw something, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. You know, it's just the anticipation of waiting to see something come back, you know, where that sort of worry comes in. But it's always worry about myself as a director, not so much Jeff, Jeff's skills as a visual effects artist. It's all about, you know, you know, is this going to work? And then as soon as I see it, you know, I'm like, yes, it's absolutely going to work. And then as I, you know, when Jill mentioned, like she started seeing shots come in, you know, I hear her you know, reacting to it, you know, what, what she's, what she thinks. It's just, it makes it like, yes, let's keep going. Let's, let's get this, you know, let's get the momentum going. And it was, yeah, it's great. It's addictive. Mm-hmm. You know, making any other movie, the idea that we would change an entire day of outdoor shooting to an entire day of green screen shooting. <laughs> and just trust <laughs> The guy later on is going to make sure it's all good. That wouldn't yeah. happen any other time, but it's because we have Jeff is why that was all acceptable. Yeah. And on the same day, recasting the lead lead BFF girl. (laughs) Yeah. And And I want to I want to shout out, though, Blake, that on the final day when it was insane and we had these few hours with our, you know, new BFF girl, Carol Ann. uh, We Blake was on his like set the timer, like every shot, keeping us like on the fucking schedule. So. Yeah, absolutely. That. <laughs> that is such a great uh, quality that Blake has with uh, with with, with uh, our collaboration is because like Blake tells me like it is, you know, he speaks very frankly about something and I'll listen to him. Of course, you know, I'm like I said, I'm not going to be like, no, Blake, you listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would love to see that, like, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's definitely like you know, my motivation is like, I want to get everything I can get done so everybody can go home and go to sleep. Like there's no point in me selfishly keeping everyone, you know? Um, so yeah, I totally appreciate when, when someone does that for me, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. they never have to worry about like hurting my feelings or anything like that. You know, it's just like, we got to get it done. And Blake knows we have to get it done. So he's the one who's like, all right, here's how many minutes we have left before we have to shoot. Now let's start shooting. So it's great. 
honestly, I would just sit there and make up some numbers. Like, oh, okay, you got to give it a shot off. We got to get this done in four minutes. Come on, let's go. Let's get it done in four minutes. I was like, fuck, I guess I done. So, but we got the most out of we got the most work out of so many awesome people that you can ask for for 16 hours straight of their time. And um, it was very nice and very people put up with a lot. Yeah, it was definitely the longest shoot we've had in a while, Blake, because because of just like how the the last minute location change and how, you know, what was going to be one shot is now actually four different setups that are going to be composited together. Um, So, (laughs) yeah, it was like a lot of like it was a big puzzle at that point, you know, um, a lot of problem solving. But I love I love that. Uh, that's one of the things where I get very excited when I'm on set directing, as opposed as in addition to seeing like the performances and just like laughing and just being very happy about what I'm seeing. You know, it was all it was all great. Like I love I love directing. I love making films with these people, and I love like these silly ideas we come up with, and the fact that these they want to do them with, with us. I also must say during production on that la- that day that was crazy. There was so many hours. We also, even though it was crazy, we found time to celebrate Brian's birthday. It got to the point where I was like, no, there's no time for birthday cake. And we're like, oh. <laughs> I was like, okay, I got that birthday cake. Yeah, we uh, that was uh, the weekend of my birthday. So that was the best birthday present ever was to film. <laughs> So uh, how can people follow BFF Girls and see, uh, you know, uh, where it's playing and any news about it? I'm going to let Jill answer that because she is the social media queen of the BFF Girls. <laughs> um, well, on Twitter, we're at BFF Girls Film. And same thing on Facebook. And then we use that hashtag, BFF Girls Film. And I think we should also use BFF Girls Forever. <laughs> yeah, um, a couple of times, yeah. but we should, yeah. But yes, BFF Girls Film on all the social medias. Find it, follow it. Yeah. Jill does an amazing job on I sorry, Jill, I have to interrupt you so I can tell more great things about (laughs) you. Oh my. (laughs) Watch out. Uh, like I was just saying about uh she she is really incredible with uh the social media. Unfortunately, like I, I try, but I can't keep up with like how well she, you know, she she gets that stuff out there. And uh you know, we're trying to brainstorm uh, a few ideas. Uh, one thing I had proposed was uh, to sort of give shout outs to the different cast members and see what they're doing and see if we can help like bump them up a little bit. Um, for example, uh, I had found out that uh, Leah, who played Auntie Flo, is one of the masked uh, villains in the new Strangers. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah, she's the pinup girl. So if you go to her IMDb page, she has two acting credits. One is the strangers, and the other is BFF girls. So and one's a, and one's an awesome movie like BFF girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, boy. But but yeah, like uh, you know, Atlanta is a, a big sort of like hub right now for for film. So we will, we definitely want to like help promote like anything big or small that that our actors are, are working on. You know, I think Marilyn has something coming up. Um, uh, an improv thing or theater thing coming up in next week, I believe. So we'll have to do a little uh, post about her. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Like these are great actors, and I want to, I want people to work with them, and I want to work with them again too. But I don't want to be greedy, you know. I want, <laughs> right, but I'm right. greedy with my crew. I'm greedy with my crew. I don't want anyone else working. 
And, uh, how about each of you? How can you follow? Uh, how can you follow you, Blake? And what else you have going on, Blake? Oh, Blake, you there? Uh oh. Okay, we'll get back to Blake. <laughs> Where? Well, maybe he doesn't want anyone to know. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't like about... being followed. <laughs> I, I meant online. I didn't mean like. Yeah, you scared him, Neil. <laughs> well, how about you, Jill? How can people follow Jill Six? Um, at Jill Six with two X's, uh, all on everywhere. Um, and then I have sixtape.com, which has a little BFF girls uh, page on there as well with all the screenings. And um, I've got a new short film that's going to also be at the Chattanooga Film Festival called Forty Two Counts. So I'm excited about that. Very cool. I think Blake, Blake back. is back. Blake back. <laughs> Hi, how y'all doing? Right, good, good. <laughs> so, we're wondering how can people follow Blake, and uh, what what else do you have uh, coming out or in the works? Um, right now, there's no real way to follow me. I am. Uh, <laughs> I'm just watching I movies and having a good time. Uh huh. Well, that's good. And uh, you know, uh, I'm getting ready for Buried Alive Film Festival that's coming up this year, and watching movies and getting ready for uh a good festival this year and we're uh, waiting to see what Brian comes up with next and we'll see uh there's always something in the works. Very cool. And, and Brian, how can how, Brian, how can uh, how can people follow you? Well, you could follow uh Tori and me uh we're at uh, at William Film on Twitter. Um and then we also have uh William Film on Facebook and Crowhand on Facebook. So you can follow us there. Uh we made social media pages for those films a while ago and we try to keep up with them. As best we can, but yep, that's that's how you find us is William Film and Crowhand. Yeah, and can you see your previous shorts online anywhere? Oh yeah, you can see everything. All right, everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> show you everything. Expose uh, all. Yes, if you go to Vimeo, Vimeo.com/slash Brian Lenano, you can see everything I've done uh, as far back as 2008, and then I have a YouTube page which is also slash Brian Lenano. And you can see my films that were done from 2007 and earlier. So uh, BFF Girls is short film number 11 mm. in my massive, unimpressive filmography. Aww. I put myself down a lot, but right. uh, I know. I'm <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to go back and watch the other 10. Awesome. Please let me know what you think. I will. Uh, all weird and crazy. So. Yeah. And I'll let you guys know what uh, what the audience reaction is like at uh, at the Boston Underground Film Festival. Please do. Yes, I'm oh, dying. Please. About, yeah, I'm dying to hear about how it looks on the big screen and what audiences think. It's in a good block. Uh, it's in the comedy maybe shorts block, which is on March 24th at 4 p.m. at the Brattle Theater, and we're playing with uh, other really talented, crazy filmmakers like Bobby Miller, uh, Debbie Snively. Um, Jim McDonough, and there's a couple of others. It's a really good block. Oh, there's a really, really weird, funny one called Robo Greaser. That's in the block we saw that in Nashville last year. That was really funny. Um, and uh, but yeah, the, the block is awesome. There's this other feature that looks really cool called Top Knot Detective. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, I really want to see it. Uh, and then uh, uh, a new friend of uh, Blake and uh, Blake and me, Kevin Fermini, has a short film that plays before that called Viola versus the Vampire King, which is a lot of fun and sort of shares the same. He's uh, awesome. Yes, it shares the same sort of like fun uh, qualities that BFF Girls does, and they shot theirs on Super Eight, so it has a really high energy. Uh, it's great. I love it. Very cool. Well, I'm looking forward to being there. I haven't, I haven't been to the, I got really sick last time I was going to go there and was in the hospital. So, oh, uh, so this time, uh, hopefully everything will, will be fine and I won't be dying. Or anything. Um, how many times have you gone? Uh, I haven't been yet. Uh, oh. last year, something came up and the year before was when I get very sick. Gotcha. Gotcha. It was in 2016 where our film William played and we were on, we won the runner up award for most effectively offensive. <laughs> very good <laughs> we were pretty, was pretty excited about that win um yeah william had a lot of interesting awards like the wrongest film award at the sick and wrong film fest. Uh-huh. the wrong <laughs> yeah. yeah i want to know what was more offensive at boston than william i can tell you I, <laughs> I, know, I know which one it is it was a short called air by richard powell and it actually is very effectively offensive so i'll be fine playing uh. some Okay. Yeah, that one's a that one's gnarly. Yeah, um, but ours is gnarly in a fun way. There was theirs was gnarly in a in a wrong, in way. A wrong way. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and that, it's yeah. Uh, on a personal note, since I mentioned being sick, uh, I know Jill's always involved in in the blood drive. And, and a couple years ago, when I got sick, uh, then um, after I had multiple surgeries, I was bleeding death several times. And I had to have a lot of blood uh, transfusion. So that's something uh, people should do is uh, is give blood. Oh, my goodness. Hell, yeah, they yeah. should. Yeah. It was, spew- it was spewing out just like in your movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the, uh, the Soska sisters have, you know, led this um, massive blood drive kind of just movement every uh, February for nine years now. And it was cool to be part of it for a few years. I didn't get to make a short this year because I was so busy, but it was cool. They released a different short every year of February this year. So you can go watch 28 up there on their uh, YouTube channel. (laughs) Very cool. And a cheap plug, they'll be on the show uh, in in April, uh, the Saskia twins. So looking forward to that. So, So it's been awesome to have you guys on. Thank you so thank much. You. For, thank you so much. Thanks for having yeah. me. Yeah. Well, thank, we'll have, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'd love to have <laughs> you, each of you back at, at some point. That would be great. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much. All right. Cool. All right. Well, uh, thanks again, guys. And uh, check out BFF Girls and hashtag BFF Girls Forever and BFF Girls Movie, right? Uh, BFF film. 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 All right. Film. Film. All right. Yep. Film. Film. All right very good. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Elsa. Good night. <laughs> All, right, <we're> <laughs> All right, that was very good. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah, welcome. that was tremendous. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes.
Once again, at the station of decapitation without your head, and I'm still nasty Neil, and I remain terrible Troy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're not going to be up late uh, tonight because uh, we were out of power, and so uh, we're all kind of tired. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been a wacky like week. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, we're this is the end of, uh, of losing power. I'm hoping so. I've I, it has run its course. Yeah, it's been it's been bad times. It's been bad mm-hmm. times. You know, I don't think we mentioned this on the show, but uh, the Shape of Water, obviously, uh, the other week it won uh, Oscar for best movie, and uh, it's such a weird movie. And I think it's it's pretty wild that that something like that would not only be up but would win. Oh yeah, yep. Was um was Guillermo's other movie was uh. Pan's Labyrinth, was it up for an Oscar? It's a good question. I'm not sure if it was, I know it definitely didn't win, but I don't know if it was uh, even nominated. Oh. But, uh, you know, it's uh, this was the first year um, that I saw almost every movie up. And I That's think it's pretty a com- cool. Yeah, and I think it's a combination of two things. that They, they did nominate some weird stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, Movie Pass. Absolutely, yeah. The Movie Pass, good times with it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's pretty wild because that's a strange movie. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool to see it, uh, you know, get such a, such accolades. Oh yeah, definitely. And, uh, someone had posted on the, uh, on the group over at, uh, facebook.com slash group slash without your head horror. Uh, Doug Jones was, uh, like, uh, not saying reviewing, but he was talking about, the uh, they have shape of water, uh, dildos out. So, <laughs> really? Uh, huh. Uh, huh. Wow. Starting to make that for like all kinds of movies. Yeah, that's that's like become the big uh, trend, I guess. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you saw this, it's been sharing there. It's they're shared everywhere. Um uh I forget which lake it is, but someone uh made a uh a, a life size replica of Jason Voorhees from parts I think it's part six or seven, maybe part the end of part six and then 
at the beginning of part seven where he's uh, like buried. Well, he's thrown in the lake and he's chained up. Oh, yeah. Yep. And they put it at the bottom of this lake. So, like, if you just happen to be scuba diving, you might run into it. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. I kind of like think so, that. too. But I think more people should do that stuff. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That would be the balls. You, you know, like a bunch of feet underwater and, you know, you see, like, uh, the creature from the Black Lagoon or something. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, it's pretty deep. Very deep. And I don't, I don't think anyone, they don't think they said it. That they did it until someone just happened to discover it. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I wonder how long wild. it had been down there. Yeah, I don't know. I have to look at more into this. I know people have been sharing the, the link everywhere, but yeah. I just love that idea. Of oh, course, you know, that's great. someone might see it and just have a heart attack or something. <laughs> well, you know, that's the chance you take if you're scuba diving. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we want to uh, mention, well, actually, a big thanks to, to our guest tonight. It was a oh, lot of talking to him. Uh, Jill Six, Gavarzian, uh, Brian Lenano, Blake Myers, and Victoria Cook. And uh, BFF Girls was just a lot of fun. And uh, they really did a good job, I thought. I mentioned the thing where it's very gross, but at the mm-hmm. same time, it's it's fun. So it, it really uh, rides the line, I think, between just being gross and nasty and also just be, you know, being fun. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It has, like, this charming quality about it. Yeah, and even with really, like a lot of gross story matter and stuff, mm-hmm. and very well made. Like you would think this would have cost a lot of money just to oh definitely everything. Yeah. yeah, and uh, the costumes and like just the look of it's really really well done. Yeah, even you know even the sound everything. And I love the mm-hmm. Lawrence Harvey character and uh, everything was really just uh, good about it. And I think this is a perfect uh, kind of short because like it might not work for feature, but for short, I think it's uh, perfect. Oh, it's ideal for that. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. So uh, they were all great, and uh, look forward to seeing some of their stuff. I know I've seen uh, some of Jill's shorts, and I always really, really dig those. So. Yeah, wish them all the best. They all seemed like very, very good people, and uh, we wish them all the success. Yeah, and uh, but uh, so our music of the month this month is Deadite. So uh, give those guys nice. a like. But um, today, uh, for, for the people who do our amazing theme song, uh, The Tomb of Nick Cage, mm-hmm. uh, they have a new video out. Uh, Ryla, I believe is how you say it. And it's it, because they put it out today because it's the 81st, um, I think it's the 81st anniversary of, um, of uh, Lovecraft dying. Oh, no kidding. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, the the eighty first anniversary of the passing of H.P. Lovecraft. So, uh, put out a new cosmic terror video. So, I've not seen it yet, but I'm looking forward to watching it after the show. I'll have to check that out too. Yeah. Very nice. uh, Yeah. Big thanks to Akees Williams uh, because she was uh, she was letting everyone know who couldn't tune in live um, uh, what what we were talking about. So we had like uh, we had like a commentary track here for the show. Oh, that's awesome. Very cool. Yeah, if you're listening for the first time, go over and join us on the Facebook uh, group slash Without Your Head Horror and subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play or both, whichever you like, and on um, on YouTube. And uh, you'll get all the uh, all the cool interviews and a lot of video interviews up on the YouTube page. And there's a lot more to come because I've uh, I've got a lot coming up here at the Boston Underground Film Festival. That should be good times, I think. 
Yeah, yeah. So I've been told that uh, I'll probably be doing these interviews at, at a local bar. Well, that'll be kind of fun, I think. I think it will be very fun. I think it'll be add some uh, character to the to the interview. And yep, it, maybe me and the guests will get drunk. I've got like six or seven like planned. Wow. So, uh, maybe I'll be very drunk by like the six or seven. Yeah, you're not kidding. You'll be like totally wasted by then. <laughs> But um, I don't know. Will that make the interview better or worse? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, then we'll need a little feedback from that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, coming up, uh, there's going to be a special uh, podcast show on Friday. Uh, today, possibly, if you're listening to the show right now. And um, in addition to the one you're listening to right now, uh, Paul Taylor, who played Pinhead in Hellraiser Judgment. Oh, wow. That should be pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's already recorded, so I'll just say I really enjoyed the uh, the interview. Oh, very good. I can't wait to hear that one. Yeah, he's definitely a good guy. Mm-hmm. He's a good man. So there's some cool stuff over on uh, on the Netflix. I've been really enjoying this uh, Frankenstein Chronicles. Oh, yeah. Sean Bean's been just awesome in that. It's just got this great grungy, you know, old London look and feel to it. And mm-hmm. Really liking the story on it. And- so so far, I, I'm really loving it. Yeah, yeah. You're I just farther ahead, I think, than I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anything for season two. But there is a big, uh, let's say, a big uh, turn in the story at the end of season one and goes into season two. Okay, really changes you, the story have a lot. You started season two. Yes. Okay. Very good. Yes, I think I'm in it's episode five. I don't think I have too many left. Whoa, better savor them, Chief. I know. That's one thing about uh, when you uh, binge watch stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I really enjoy it. You're into it, and you're like, well, like, ah, I better go to sleep. Like, well, I'll watch one more episode. Then you're up to, like, four in the morning. Yeah, it's a kiss of death. Yeah. Uh, and so I like that. But then, honestly, when you get down to the last two or th- two or three episodes, you start to get, like, depressed. Yep. Because you're like, oh, man, I don't. Once I finish, this is over. Yeah, that's how I've been with Jessica Jones. I've only got like two episodes to go, but I'm kind of slowing down a little bit because I want to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I, I don't I don't know much about because I think this was a couple years ago when they made Frankenstein Chronicles, and it's just the two seasons. But I'm hoping that uh, I don't know how it ends. So I don't know if it's possible to do you know uh, one oh, episode. Okay, but. yeah. Well, if it's it, did it start off? Was it like a BBC thing? Yeah, yeah. Because they're usually pretty good with leaving things open ended. Mm-hmm. So you know, and how things work nowadays. Like if it does, it seems like it's got a lot of buzz about uh, people watching Netflix. So you mm-hmm. know, I guess it'd be possible Netflix would just pick it up and, and make more of them. That would be nice. Yeah. So I'm, I, like I said, I don't know how it ends. So if that's possible, I, I would like to see more of them. Mm-hmm. I like I like that grun the, the grungy England setting. It seems like there's been a lot of shows uh, that have been doing that lately. Yeah, and most of them have been really good. I think. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, well, like Peaky Blind is a little later, but uh, yeah, um, the, uh, Ripper, Ripper Street, Street. Yeah, a lot of those. Like, um, I've, I've enjoyed more than I've disliked. I think out of mm-hmm. out of all of those. Yeah. So there's huge news in the whole, in the horror world, Troy. Oh, hit me with it. 
it's been rumored for the last couple of years, uh, especially the last like six months because they're like, Hey, Bill Mosley's growing his, his beard back and Sid Higgs canceling appearances. And it's official. Rob Zombie has announced it. They started filming Devil's Rejects sequel. Oh, nice. Three from hell. All right. I'm, I'm definitely down with that. I I've, am too. I've liked a lot more zombie stuff than I've disliked. I agree. I agree. And I like uh, the House of a Thousand Corpses. I've always been, I like it, but there's parts of it I don't like. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a perfect movie, but I overall, I like it. I really yep. like the beginning. But then I thought Devil's Rejects was just great. I yep. I'm really pretty cool. much in agreement with you there. So I'm really, it's interesting to think like what the third one would be because the first movie and the second movie are totally different kinds of films where the, the first one's very, um, uh, like it's, you know, fan, it's like a fantasy. It's not, it's not a very realistic movie, especially as it goes on. Right. And then the second movie is a much more gritty, just like a realistic version of the first movie, mm-hmm. like these are real people. So I don't know where the third, the third one will be like the second movie, or if it'll just be a totally different, you know, uh, vibe to it. Oh, that's that's a good question. I mean, he could go in a lot of different ways with it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll be a, a completely, you know, standalone vibe. Right, right. You know that you don't get from either one of the other ones. If anything, I'm thinking more um, like like the second one because it's really being pitched as uh, as a sequel to, to Devil's Rejects, as opposed to you know the third uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, okay. But the um, but it's called the uh, Three from Hell. And part of me does want to be like kind of smart me and say, you know, like, cause I've talked to all, we've talked to all these people and they always said, you know, Rob and Rob has said, Rob zombie said that, uh, you know, he didn't want to do anymore. It's why he killed everybody off. So, you know, it's like, well, you shouldn't have killed everybody off if you want to do a third one. But at the same time, it is a movie. Yep. So if you want to, if you want to, uh, do a third one, I'm totally for it. <coughs> oh, absolutely. It's kind of like, you know, on a different note, but similar. Um, earlier this week, um, on his Facebook page, F. Paul Wilson had talked about he had just written like uh, 200 pages for, or 150 pages for a new uh, Repairman Jack book. Mm-hmm. And the last uh, the last Repairman Jack book was supposed to be the last <laughs> Repairman Jack book. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, yeah, you know, you can see the guy after writing 12 books and, you know, so many short stories and stuff about that character. Maybe he'd want to take a break from him, but. From ancient terrors to the search for modern day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. Ripley, we should have listened. The Tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming tonight! Mostly! They're coming tonight! Mostly! They're coming tonight! Mostly! They're coming tonight! Mostly! Find out on 
Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Tomb of Nick Cage. And with like F. Paul Wilson when he was talking about, <clears throat> you know, writing, uh, you know, another 150 pages for this new story. And, you know, at first, maybe you're like, wait a second. He said that was, you know, that was going to be it for Jack because, you know, I was his most popular character and he had written so many books and, and, uh, you know, but then again, I'm such, I love the character and I definitely think there's more stories to be told about him. So I'm all for it. I'm definitely happy that he's planning on doing some more stuff with Jack. Yeah. Yeah. And like this, I, I, I really like devil's rejects and yeah. I love, uh, Bill Mosley and, uh, I like the whole cast. So especially, um, Sid Haig as uh, Captain Spaulding. I think that's one of the modern, um, horror icons. Yep. Definitely. Know, I have agree. a lot of them, um, that are original. Yep. You know, um, that's got a, that's up there for me. I just love that character. So, uh, you know, why limit it to two movies? Why not see more of it? Yep, yep. Um, it's sure, it's a little leap of faith. Who knows? You know how how they explain it, and uh, why why does it really matter? I mean, it's, it's still a movie. You can do whatever you want with it. So. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Um, yeah, and we'll still be geeked up to see those characters again. So yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. and uh, not to be morbid, but um, you know these guys aren't getting younger, so why not? Yep. You know, do it while while they're still here. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, it would be kind of right, a, a missed opportunity, you know, if you didn't do anything more with like Sid or somebody, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, I don't know if they're in it, but I know Pancho Moller and um, and uh, another cast member from uh, 31. Oh, Jeff Daniel Phillips have been posting a lot about it. So I don't know oh, wow. if there, if, because there was really no, not much details out besides, you know, the three, uh, uh, you know, Otis and every, and you know, the three main people being in it. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I don't know. That would be cool. I, I, I like Poncho is a great guest on the show. So I'd like, to Oh see yeah. That. Yeah. I'd love to see that too. Like, uh, you know, some of the clowns from, uh, from 31, maybe pop yeah. up. Well, that's true. They could even connect to the worlds or, you know, yeah. play some new characters, but yeah, I'm, I'm good with that too. So yeah, bring it on. I say. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, yep. That I, I dig his movies and looking uh, good times. Good times yep. in the horror world. See, so yeah, that was a huge news for everybody. Uh, there's a Happy Death Day sequel coming out. That was one that I was pleasantly surprised by, and I think it was the first time I used my uh, movie pass because I wasn't gonna. I really had no interest in seeing it. I even kind of yep. made fun of it, and I was like, "Well, I get this movie pass, and I'm at the uh, you know, I was like." at the cinema that was the only thing playing really that I had, you know, any interest in seeing. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah. That was, that was one of those, like, um, you know, things that you, without the movie pass, you never would have known, mm-hmm. you know, cause you'd be like, geez, I don't know if, if there's nothing playing, I wouldn't go to the movies. So, you know, forget it. And then you were, you happen to be around there and it was like, Hey, this is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm really glad that worked out. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, so I, I still haven't seen that movie, but I'll probably watch it at some point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shout Factory announced uh, it acquired 270 Roger Corman movies. There's 270 Roger Corman movies. Yeah, I didn't know there was that many. 
Holy but, uh, shit. It includes uh, Rock Row High School, Battle Beyond the Stars, Piranha, Galaxy of Terror, Blood Fist, Black Scorpion, Eat My Dust, Humanoids from the Deep, Slumber Party Massacre, and many, many more. Wow. So that's going to be pretty cool. I mean, some of the, some yeah. of those, I really, I really enjoy the early Corman stuff. Oh, me too. Me too. And then if they also include, you know, the old, like, Vincent Price ones and all that. Jazz. Yeah, so, some of those are actually very good movies. Yeah, yep. And some of them I just enjoy, like Galaxy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Humanoids from the Deep. Uh, for me, it's kind of like uh, later on when... Uh, almost like they just kind of tacked his name on, like, real schlocky stuff. Yep. Like in modern day. I, I didn't really enjoy that stuff. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, I think it was more, it's kind of like some of the trauma kind of stuff. I think when you're kind of in on the joke that the movie's like bad and you intentionally make it bad, oh, I don't yeah. really like it, but I uh, like the, the charm's gone then, I think. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the people, if you set out to make, um, you know, the new plan nine from outer space, it rarely works. Right. Right. It you just know? has to be. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It just has to go like naturally. I think. Yeah. Even the room, even though I'm not really that big on it. I mean, but that was, you know, clearly meant to be a good movie. Yep. So, uh, I don't know if you saw this. I posted the trailer on uh, the Facebook group, uh, kissed, uh, death kiss. And, uh, it's crazy. There's a guy in it that looks exactly like Charles Bronson. No. All right. I'm going to have to go there right now just to see this thing. Yeah. It's just crazy. He looks, I mean, it's not like a little bit. He looks exactly like Charles Bronson. From what time period? Like older Bronson or like from death wish. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. He looks ex- and I just watched the original death wish. He looks exactly like him. That's awesome. So uh, then, I, from from what I understand, uh, there's a chance that that uh, we'll be having some people on the show from uh, from this movie. It's uh, made by uh, Renee Perez, a former guest on the show, who is very cool. And uh, I don't know. It's just it, it looks like it's kind of like a like a like a Death Wish kind of remake, uh-huh. but like uh, more like the original Death Wish. Than from what the new one is, from what I understand, you know, just more like exploitation stuff. And this dude just looks like him. I have to admit, uh, Death Wish, they have the original one now for five bucks at Walmart, uh, since the new one's out, the remake. Oh, nice. And I never really care for the movie, but uh, I watched it uh, again recently. And I actually think it's a very good movie. Yeah. yeah it's it's a good revenge movie. Yeah. And, and it's. Uh, it's weird because we live in such a different time now, but because at this point in time, like he's, um, he's like the only guy with a gun for the most part. Yep. Uh, really only towards the end of that movie. Is there another, there's like another criminal with a gun. Uh, but nowadays, like if he in, you know, everyone would have a gun. So oh, yeah, much different world. Wow. You're not kidding. That's just uncanny. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, if you wouldn't have told me, if you would have just put that up and said, yeah, they found this old Bronson movie. Yeah. That's, I would have honestly believed it. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, yeah, I want to see I want to see that movie. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, and uh, Renee Perez is very cool. He's a member of our group and a former guest on the show. I always like the guy, so I'm looking oh, forward. Very to this. nice. Yeah. Um, uh, my friend Dahmer's coming out on uh, a Blu-ray. Oh, good. I want to see that. Yeah, I don't think I ever got to really talk about it on the show. Um, I I I wish I would have watched the movie before I read the uh, graphic novel. Oh, okay. Yep, you had said that. Because I I I think I would have liked it more. It's not that I don't like it. I think it's well made and everything, but I think it misses a lot of stuff that's in the um, graphic novel, and I think they uh, take liberties with the real story, at least as far as told in the in the comic book. Uh huh. And I'm not sure why a lot of that stuff. So it kind of made me a little mad at certain things. And I do think the comic book does a, it makes you much more sympathetic towards uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, which some people will say is not a necessary good thing, but that's part of of what I liked about uh, the comic book. And you really dislike the guy who writes the comic. Oh um, yeah. When you're reading it, cause he's a, he's a real asshole. I mean, (laughs) he's he's a bully to him, you know, which I think was, like actually pretty ballsy of him to write it that way. Cause it's showing him as not like a good person. Right. Right. Cause I don't think it's like, Hey, ain't I cool? I wasn't nice to this guy. I think it's just kind of showing, you know, how it was. Or maybe it's different. Maybe I don't, maybe I missed the point of it, but, uh, maybe he thought he was like being a cool guy, picking on Jeffrey Dahmer. But anyway, I, I really love the, the graphic novel and I do like the, the movie, but, I would recommend watching the movie and then reading the graphic novel. Okay. Too late for me. Yeah. So I don't know that there's certain things that, that like, uh, get on my nerves in the, in the movie version. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really missed, uh, a lot of, uh, what made the comic book. So, uh, so, um, so great really. And the, uh, the end is, is the end of the movie. I think is just like total fiction. Really? And, not not a big fan of that. Yeah, that's not cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, like I said, if you didn't read the graphic novel, uh, I definitely would recommend it. You're probably better off then. Yeah, yeah. But then go and find the do- the, the graphic novel because uh, I do recommend it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I I do too. Yeah, and I, so I know it's the the real cool thing now on on on, on the internet to just. Say you hate The Walking Dead. Oh yeah, yep. And that's fine if you if you genuinely you know don't like it. <laughs> yep. But uh, I do think a lot of people are just like ah, I'm gonna jump on this bandwagon. I hate it. Some of it's just weird. Like they don't like that you know they killed off a character or something. <clears throat> but I mean that's what the show's always been about. Oh yeah. I personally thought it's uh, been very good since Negan came in and. Uh, this season, I've really liked the, the the first three episodes. Yeah, that's that's one of those weird things, though. Like that, you wouldn't think that, like, because a character who's intended to be kind of like an unlikable person, yeah, he's the villain. Yeah, <laughs> is that powerful? That like people that watch a show about zombies and like you know people get killed all the time would be that powerful that they stop watching. But I know people that have done that. They just, Mm -hmm. they hate that character so much. And I was like, wow, that's crazy to me. 
Yes, uh, I, I agree. It's almost like, because um, I'm also a wrestling fan, it's almost like these people are being worked uh, yeah. into disliking the villain so much that they actually turn the show off, which is very, very bizarre. <laughs> yeah, and I could see, like, if it's, you know, because we've all had characters in movies that we haven't liked, but, mm-hmm. you know, like, if you don't like him because you think he's, like, unbelievable or right. something like yeah, yeah or just lame or the actor's not good that's one thing you know like if i hated the joker in suicide squad you know it wasn't like i hated him because he was such a despicable joker uh, it's just i thought he sucked so right. that's what i hated about it so i could see if they thought that about that you know if they're like well this guy's terrible as negan you know, mm-hmm. or he's poorly written or something like that. But mm-hmm. I, I, I just don't get, you know, that he's that evil that, that uh, people just are stopping watching the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to Keys here, uh, still listening to the show and says he found she She said she found a new show that she loves. So thank you, Keys. I appreciate that very much. Oh, very good. Yeah. Yeah. So I know some people said that the... Um, it was too bad that they killed off Carl. Spoiler alert. That they, but I think everyone's going to know if you're on the internet. They killed off Carl because they missed a lot of uh, story in the comic book. And I understand that sentiment, but I don't think they ever captured Carl on the show like they did in the comic. So I don't think it really is an issue. Mm. Well, do they do it like with some things? Do they use some of like the Carl storylines or character traits for other characters in the show? Um, not really. No. I don't think they really ever delved into the, in the comic book, what makes Carl so interesting is he's grown up in the zombie world. So he doesn't have the same emotions that the other people do because they came from like the, the old existing world. Right. So when people die, he's like numb to it. Mm-hmm. And that actually scares Rick because he doesn't understand his own son. Who's like, right. Because he's just growing up in this new world, and that's how people will grow up in a new world. Because you can't, you won't have the same connections to people because you know they die constantly. It's oh, yeah. almost like a you know defense mechanism. Yeah. And so yep. they never really, they never went uh, into that in, in the show. He's also a much darker character in the comic book, which they never went into on the show. Um, is a really weird, which I guess is part of the reason people are upset, but. I don't think it would have even worked on the show. There's a real weird, um, his first like uh, sexual encounter is very strange. Cause it's this girl who, uh, grew up with, uh, the, the whispers. I'm giving away a lot of stuff that comes later, mm. but, um, so she grew up, um, the whispers are people who wear zombie suits, like zombie skins to blend in with the, with the walkers, with the zombies. Okay. And so their whole life is just like traveling along with the zombies, but in zombie makeup. And they whisper to each other because they can't talk loud, you know, because they're right. giving away. And so um, she becomes part of the group and she finds Carl uh, sexy because he's got his eye missing. And so it's like, so he's almost like a living zombie to her. Oh, okay. So it's a, it's a human, but he's got missing the eye with the, with the hole. And yeah. so she's like, Licking inside the 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 wound, you know, and stuff. Uh-huh. it's very gross and weird, <laughs> and it 
And like it worked from the comic, I don't really think it would work so much on a TV show. No, probably not. There, that would probably. probably offend everybody. Yeah, so like I don't think that would even worked on the show. Right. So like uh, people are mad like they miss out on that, but I just plus the character's much different. I don't I don't think like the Carl that we see on the TV show like you know this girl licking his eye hole would have would it just wouldn't have worked. I don't think <laughs> We're too far out there. Yeah. But um, but I do I'd well get uh, the actor. I've never really cared for him on the show, honestly. But um, the the last couple episodes when when the, the death of Carl, I thought he did a very good job. Uh huh. Did did they did he die like he did in the comic? No, Carl's still alive in the comics. So. Oh okay. Oh I see. Well, that is strange, though, that they'd kill off somebody that's still around in the comic. Yeah, well, I mean, they've done that with a lot of characters. A lot of characters died early on the show that are still alive and and vice versa. They kill the, you know, people are still alive in the comic that they killed off. And Oh, OK. So they, they've intentionally done that. Some they've just really just changed characters with. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of. I don't. I think that's kind of a, a cop out. That's what's yeah, always that's the problem with the, Yeah, with this. I know we are going to disagree with this, but there's always my problem with the second um, of the new Star Wars movies because they just reverse the roles of uh, of Spock and um, mm-hmm. and Captain Kirk. I just kind of think that's kind of a cop out. Yeah, that's cool. I so still anyway, like it. Yeah, Ugh. but I'm looking forward to more of them. That's the only one I didn't like of the new ones. Right. But I did like the third one a lot. I thought that was great. Yeah, I really, I'm really liking that. I, it's funny. They, um, the guy that plays Captain Kirk, I don't know if I've liked him in anything else but those Star Treks. I agree with that. Yeah, I've not, I've not been a big fan of his. <laughs> no, because after just watching Wonder Woman recently, I thought he kind of sucked in that. Yeah, not a bit, not a big fan. All right, so Boston Underground Film Festival is coming up. So that's what you got, not this weekend, but the weekend after, right? Yeah, yeah. So you got to be prepared. We've got a bunch of interviews. Uh, very proud that I've uh, you know been picked to be uh, a press at, at the Boston Underground Film Festival. Uh, very cool. They set up some interviews for the show. Actually, this weekend I'll be recording an interview with uh, Slava Zuckerman, who uh, directed the um, cult classic Liquid Sky. So I'll be recording an interview with that. Um, nice. That's a weird movie. Yeah, I've not seen it. So I actually oh, okay. I have it here. I have the uh, I have the the, uh, the restored Blu-ray. So I'm looking forward to uh, checking that out. And then uh, next week, I'll be doing a bunch of interviews. Apparently, I'm going to be doing them from a local bar. So I don't know if they'll be like drunken interviews or what. I, but That'll be fun, I think. Yeah, yeah. So I'll be there Friday. If anyone listening, I know there's some people that already said they'd like to uh, hook, you know, hook up, but meet up when we're when I'm there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you know, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, but it's for anyone listening, it starts Wednesday the 21st. So you can go up there. The 21st are shown two movies. My name is Maisha and Liquid Sky. So you can check those both out on uh, Thursday. Uh, which hopefully you'll be listening to here. But if you're up there, that's cool too. You'll be listening. There's uh, touching from a distance, pin cushion, and uh, the Theta Girl. So it's all you know, independent cinema. Uh, I'm no idea what what the Saturday. Uh, there's a Saturday movie that's uh, that's uh, that's like a secret, a secret screening. I, I like the way they put it on there too. You know the uh, the big secret thing. 
Yeah, secret screening. Man, I don't know. I was told that uh, they can't even give a hint because if they give a hint, you'll know what it is. Wow. But they said it's a movie that uh, the, the you know genre fans, horror movies, weird movies, uh, all want to see. So hmm. I, have I know what my guesses. guess was. Yeah. And I talked to a, a friend of mine who's uh, you know more uh, in the know, but he has no idea. But he, he thought it could be something. So I don't want to say any of our thoughts because yeah, I don't want we'll just to get anyone to right yeah. afterwards. Exactly. So I hope to uh, see some people there. Go to a bostonunderground.org and um, tons of stuff. So I'll be there all weekend. I'm going to be watching movies and, rec- and recording a bunch of video interviews. It's going to be it's going to be a good time. So come up and say hi to Nasty Neil if you see him at this thing. Exactly. Exactly. So I'll be doing, yeah, I'll be doing interviews with, uh, the director and the star of the queen of Hollywood Boulevard. Um, I don't, I don't know. There'll be a lot of people. So just wait and see There'll be a videos up there. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. It's gonna be a good time. And, uh, I'll be seeing BFF girls on the, uh, on the big screen. Oh, that'll be fun too. Mm-hmm. So do they have a special day for shorts or do they um, have it like mixed in? Yeah, it's uh, on. Well, there's a, there's a few different uh, short uh, blocks. Okay. And on Saturday at four, it's the comedy maybe uh, block. And it's uh, I remember my first beer, man. Uh. Uh, the breakup. Motherfucker. <laughs> Year. I, no mints and words with that. Uh, Year of the snake. Third Wheel, uh, Gene Lover, uh, one called Tiny Cl- Clones, and it's like a picture of like a guy in like someone's fist. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. I like it. Uh, Robo Greaser, which uh, they'd mentioned earlier. Uh, Flow, BFF Girls, Bride of Frankie. <laughs> There's a lot of them here. Freelancer, Mailman, and End Time. So uh, they'll all be uh, shown together in like a two-hour block. Oh, cool. It's going to be good times. I think so. I think you're going to have a blast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, the program is not intended for children, they said. Oh, okay. Well, that's good, too. Yeah, yeah I don't want no kids around. That's right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so next week, we're going to have live here on the show. We're going to have the, the, the cast of BFF Girls, which it's going to be a crazy show because I think there's eight guests. <laughs> is that our most guess ever yeah yes yeah. so right, i awesome. think there was i think we had one that was six i think it was one of the um, one of the christmas horror movies we had six guests okay so and that worked out fine wait wait i expected it to no but eight that's eight mm-hmm. michael say the mother load yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a wild time that's the one that, like, the people, the other guests are going to have to try to fight for a little space with. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, there's a whole bunch. I, I don't know. As I'm very happy. There's a lot of cool uh, uh, things coming about here in Without Your Head. So keep an eye on WithoutYourHead.com. Uh, there's going to be some interviews that's popping up uh, that, that might not be announced ahead of time. So it'll be uh, be good stuff. I like the pop-up uh, interviews, though. It's kind of like, you know... When, uh, like the cool, um, 
restaurateurs will have to pop up like kitchens. Exactly, exactly. You know, you don't know, and boom, there they are. Yeah, because last week uh, we had uh, the star, the star of Lullaby, who's who's great, uh, Raina Suarez, and we had yep. uh, the director of A uh, Hectic Knife, was great interview. Yep. Uh, and then since then, though, there's also we have the, the director of the Boston Underground Film Festivals up there, uh, Mark Scheffler of Last Us and Left, which people are telling me is actually one of their favorite interviews ever on Without Your Head. And really oh, that's proud awesome. Of yeah, it's great. And uh, Sadie Katz, which was, is always fun to uh, talk to. So you can check those all out on Without Your Head. Subscribe to iTunes or Google Play. Too cool, Chief. Right. All right, Troy. I had a good time tonight. You're doing good work, Nasty Neil. I'm proud of you. Well, thank you very much. Sneaking very much. in the old, uh, the old pop-ups. I'm liking it. All right. So, uh, people, subscribe. Come and join the Facebook group. Interact with us. It's a good time. And uh, hopefully, I'll keep power because I do have a couple interviews next week planned for Monday and Tuesday. And uh, hopefully, uh, they'll, they'll come to fruition. Nice. If I lose power, they will not happen. No, no. Well, that's uh, always hope you keep power anyway. We've lost power enough for one year. Yeah, that's enough. That's enough. People want to send me a generator, they can. But uh, <laughs> people saying, like, get a generator. But I looked them up, and it's like $12,000. Yeah, the especially the ones that'll power anything. Right. It's like, I want to spend my life savings on a generator that right. I might use <laughs> once every, you know, five or six years. <laughs> yep. It'll probably be like a snowblower. Once you get one, then it'll never like happen again. Yeah, because I really thought of getting one a few years ago, and we the snow was crazy here. But it would have been a waste because I wouldn't have needed a sense. Yep. Yeah, but besides this year, right? Yeah, even this year, like I think probably only uh, the one time would have really needed it, and we had a, a, a neighbor come over and shovel it. So. Yeah, which is always nice too. Right. So anyway, I hope the weather stays. The weather stays. I don't mind the cold. I don't mind some snow, but the power the power outage really just blows. Yeah. Yep. It's a crazy winds lately that's been hitting us down. Yeah, I know. Bad times. Yeah. All right. So what do you think? We good? I think we're good, Chief. I think we've uh, talked about all that that needs to be talked about. Agreed, agreed. Uh, we'll be giving away some DVD, uh, Blu-rays, actually. i going to mention this. Um, I'll have a, a link up uh, later on. So if you want to uh, try to win, we have uh, the new Saw movie on Blu-ray. So we'll be doing a spread the head contest. We could do is uh, share the Facebook group or share any of the um, podcasts and uh, put hashtag without your head, hashtag uh, spread the head or you know something, hashtag nasty, you know, something like that. So we can find it and know that you are sharing it. We'll take all the names. We'll mix them up and we'll give away some DVDs next week. Oh, that sounds like a good time too. Blu-rays actually. Blu-rays. Blu-rays. Ooh, that's even and, cool. And then coming up, I understand that we'll be giving away copies of it on Blu-ray. Ooh. I might have to share the show myself and try to I win. I know. Exactly. Same here. <laughs> all right. So until next week, this is Nasty Neal. This is Terrible Troy. And this was without your head. <laughs> 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 <laughs>